Good evening, New York Jets fans. How are we doing? I'm Glenn Norton with Jet Nation Radio and JetNation.com. Be sure to log into JetNation.com where you can register and become a part of what is the most active Jets message board on the web. Joined, as always, tonight by my friend Chris Schubert to talk a little bit of Jets Broncos, how we felt that game unfolded, what we think is in store with the Eagles, and we're going to cover a few things in between, some stories throughout the week. Uh, Jets upset some fans today, and and they added a tackle. It was not Lael Collins, but they did make a move, so we'll we'll touch on that a little bit. But uh, first off, Chris, how are we doing? Uh, Glenn, you're tired because you're playing a new sport. I'm in a very echoey hotel room. It is a very weird Wednesday night for us doing this show. A very interesting week in Jetsland coming off the win uh, against Denver on Sunday, leading into probably the biggest test so far for this team, at least defensively, that we've seen through this season and potentially a look ahead of what we can expect from this team when the schedule gets soft in the second half of the season. So a lot of stuff to dive into tonight. I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, if you get the chance, Jets fans, there's this game of just telling Chris about it. I don't even know how it's pronounced. I've, I've literally played it today for the second time. I don't know if it's paddle or padel, but it's basically like a combination of tennis and racquetball, a very small tennis court encased in plexiglass. You can play the ball off the wall. It's pretty wild. And I think that I think playing an hour plus of that tonight is the reason why my brain's not uh, not completely functioning. Check it out. Padel. Um so, yeah, Chris, the, the Jets go into Denver, face a team that, you know, of course, they downplayed it all week, but we all know how bad they wanted this game for Nathaniel Hackett. They go in there, they hold on 31-21, huge play at the end, you know, defensively. I talked about it right after the game, and everyone's been buzzing all week. Um, Quincy Williams just keeps going. I'm all pro-type season. I think if the, I think if we see him used more often as a blitzer, I think he's going to go to the Pro Bowl. I think he's going to get an all-pro nod. And this has been since week one. And as I said, Chris, you know, you and I have nothing to apologize for. I think we uh, I think we both liked Quincy plenty, you know, as a player. But nobody saw this coming from him. We, we all talked about how he would sometimes play out of control, you know, overrun things a little bit. You know, the hair on fire mentality that wasn't always a good thing. But this year, he's just he's on point, and he's just killing everything. Yeah, I'm done discussing this linebacker group as a weakness for the New York Jets, right? Oh, we discussed it in the summer. We thought it was a weakness. They're not playing as a weakness. And, and the thing with Quincy, and this we have been very, very consistent, you, Dylan, myself, the highs were really high. The lows were yep. really low with Quincy Williams. Well, guess what? He's eliminated a lot of the lows, and a lot of the lows are now just like the middle of the road. And then he's got all those highs that you see on a regular basis, and he is becoming one of the more overall well-rounded linebackers in the sport right now and is certainly playing uh, like one of the best players at that position. So, yeah, if you're going to discuss this team defensively, I think the question marks that you would ask now at least is where's the consistent pass rush? And where are they going to get better at safety? Those are the two things that you would be asking here at this point. Maybe that's a little bit nitpicky, but if you were going to say, hey, what's the thing that's stopping this defense from reaching that next level that we think they can all reach? It's consistent pass rush, and it is the safety play, which has been uh, questionable at times. But the thing I'm going to stop doing for at least the next couple of weeks for a large portion of the rest of the season I'm not talking about Quincy Williams. I'm not talking about TJ Mosley. That group is playing very, very good, and they they have become a strength of this team. Even Mosley, I would say, oddly enough, because you just generally don't see it as guys get into the age bracket that he's in, but he he looks a little quicker. He looks a little more explosive. Like, he doesn't, you know, I'm not saying he's having the same type of year that that Williams is, but even some of the plays he's making, I'm looking at this going, I feel like this is 
the best version of him the Jets have had in a couple of years. There's still big blunders, right? And I think that's the, the big takeaway is with CJ and, and the immediate blunders I can think of are some some pass coverage reps against you know tight ends and running backs in which he's just not even close. The play against Buffalo where he jumps off sides. Those are at least the things from last season that you immediately come to mind. I can't, and I maybe I could sit here and go through all the games and try to remember play. I can't remember a major blunder from this linebacking group this season. That is a credit to the coaching staff. That is a credit to these players. They have turned what we all thought was the biggest weakness mm-hmm. on this team defensively into one of its strengths here through the first five weeks of the season. Yeah, and I think the the biggest question right now about this Jets defense is, and re- the offense too, but since we kicked it off with the defense, why the slow starts and how, how much is it impacting this team? Because I keep making the point that while they're doing a lot of things that are frustrating, they're, they, you know, there's the bend it but don't break. They're giving up a ton of yards. But listen, I for years, you know, if you think back far enough, we don't have to think back too far, Chris, but it may not seem like it right now, but there was a time when the Patriots were good. Um, that doesn't <laughs> apply this year. Yeah. But the number of times the Jets would play the Patriots and you'd be ripping your hair out because they would have some games where they would move the ball up and down the field and always settle for field goals. And you'd always just say, you're not going to win football games kicking four or five field goals every week. you got to get in the end zone. The Jets, top three in the NFL right now, keeping teams out of the end zone. So while they're frustrating and that they're giving up plays, that you know they're getting gashed on the ground early on, that's going to be a big challenge this week with Jalen Hurts. But they're, they're holding up in the red zone, and they're playing lights out in the second half. So you're kind of, they yes, they are putting the offense in a little bit of a hole, but I see people talking about this defense because they have been, I would say, they have come up short of expectations. But I see people talk about this defense like they're a bottom three unit because they're giving up points early. And I'm, I try to explain, like, points in the first quarter count the same as the points given up in the fourth quarter. Like, at the end of the game, you add them all up, and no no point is one is worth more than another. And they are holding teams to, to totals that they should be able to win these games but why the slow starts, and and if they can straighten that out, they'd be set. Yeah, I think what appears to be the most frustrating, at least for me, and I think other Jets fans feel the same way, is it doesn't feel like there's an adjustment being made. This is a constant reoccurring theme week in and week out of slow start, slow start, slow start, and there's never been the quick start from the defense, a quick turnover, a quick three and out to hand the ball to the offense where you immediately get the momentum back after the other team is starting with the ball. And and Glenn, I'll run this by you. This has been a thought that I've had for the last couple of weeks now, as we've transitioned from Aaron Rodgers being this quarterback for the, the, from the first four plays of the season into Zach Wilson now being what I think is the entrenched starter for the remainder of the season. I think we can put to bed the idea that they're going to make a major quarterback change at some point during the season. At least that's my personal take on it here at this point. And this goes counter to everything we know about the way Robert Sala and this coaching staff operates. But I think it's an important adjustment. We hear a lot about how the game plan for the New York Jets is to rely on your defense and to rely on your running game and just have Zach not make the big mistake, right? That's the recipe. It's not a secret. It's not like your great-grandma's secret Thanksgiving stuffing recipe that's handed down from generation to generation and you got to be in the know or you're not getting it. Nope. This one's plastered on the internet. It's got all the five-star reviews. Everybody knows about this one. Everybody knows the recipe for the New York Jets is Zach, don't turn the ball over, run the football, play good defense. That's the recipe. Well, for me, what would be a huge momentum swing for the New York Jets. If I'm Robert Sala and I win the toss, give me the ball. Nathaniel Hackett, drop your best seven to 10 plays. 
Let's take this team right down the field. Let's go up 7-0. Let's go up 3-0. And then let's play to our strengths. Because if we're up, our defense can go after the quarterback and, and rush. And, and we can we can send four. We can play in coverage. And we can just let everything in front of us. And we can make stops. We can run the ball and take time off the clock. But when you are constantly being handed 3-0, 7-0, in the case of the Chiefs game, 17-0 deficits, it is hard to fall back into the way the Jets want to play football, which is, defense and running game because at some point if you're down like they were in the Dallas game in the second half like they were in the Chiefs game you're going to have to air it out and if you have to air it out everyone who's worried about Zach making a mistake that's going to start to creep in so I would love to see one of the adjustments that this team makes and maybe they do it here against Philadelphia backs against the wall nobody thinks they've had a chance they've never beaten the Eagles before they're 0-12 against the team if you win the toss Take the ball, Nathaniel Hackett, Zach Wilson. Let's get this offense together. Go down the field, put points on the board, and put the pressure on Philly. Don't put the pressure on Zach and the the Jets' uh, defense and the Jets' offense. Put the pressure on them. And if you go three and out or you don't put points on the board, the defense can be like, all right, we'll pick you up. Now we'll make a stop. That's that's what I would like to see the adjustment be this week and moving forward. That that would be interesting because I think I, I don't know if I, uh, I could be completely making this up, but I could have sworn I heard a number earlier this year or even just a couple weeks ago saying that teams are now deferring something like 80 plus percent of the time it's just you know it's almost like you know Belichick as far as I can remember was the first one to do it all the time and he was the guy that figured out scoring after the half gives you that extra possession but there you do every now and then you see teams take the ball and it surprises people but it's normally for that type of reason hey we wanted to dictate the pace of the game we wanted to get you know come out of the gate fast and and do exactly what you're talking about, which is get a lead early on. And this is go ahead. The, the Jets are at a talent disadvantage at quarterback. They are going to be for oh. the remainder of the season. And when you have a major talent discrepancy at the most important position on the football field, you have to do things counterintuitively. You have to do things differently. You have to play the chess match differently than everybody else. That means being a little bit more aggressive on fourth downs to make sure that drives are ending in touchdowns. That means pulling some tricks out of your hat. We saw it in the Dallas game. The rare fourth down fake punt that Robert Sala went for at the perfect time. It was the perfect call. It yep. caught him napping. It kept the drive alive. That's the type of stuff you have to do. And so you don't have to do it every week. I don't think you have to do it in two weeks when you play the Giants. But against the Philadelphia Eagles, when points are going to be, you are not going to keep pace with the Philadelphia Eagles and win a game like they did against Washington a couple weeks ago in overtime where both teams are in the 30s. That's not the way the Jets are going to win the football game. So if you take the ball, you go down the field, you go up 7 nothing, and now your defense can go, okay, Jalen Hurts, you're going to play from behind against us, and we think we're the best defense in football. Good luck. Let's go. That's what yeah, I'd like to I'll see this you, team do. Th- this is the problem is that both units every week starting off slow, you know, and it, it, at least the defense is sort of as advertised in the second half. What They'd given up like one yard of offense into the fourth quarter yesterday in the second half. Yeah, it was um, it was Sunday, late into so. the it was late into the fourth quarter, and the graphic came up that the 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 Broncos had one yard of offense like midway through the fourth quarter. And I was watching the game with some friends, and I was like, "Is that good? Is that good for the yeah, Broncos' it, offense that they have one yard this half?" It's it's and you know this isn't despite what some people you know, uh, what ESPN saying that this is the worst version of Russell Wilson. It's it's far from it. Like he was far worse last year. He's putting up numbers this year. He's moving the ball, and you held him to a yard for for almost two full quarters. So. The defense is getting it done in the second half. The offense is is you know doing enough to keep them in games. But you know I, I've I've made the point that I would argue the the formula that you mentioned you know run the ball defense Zach. I feel like this was the first time we saw everyone sort of hold up their end of the bargain because um, there have been games where there was no running game 
and and Zach was good enough to win. You know, and there's someone who was mentioned in the chat, Ryan Rivera says the loss to the Patriots was inexcusable. Like it it it's tough to see. You're watching everyone beat the Patriots by 30 now, and and you kind of you let them get away with you let them steal a win again. Um, so that's a tough one. But can, can I come to the defense of the team for a second? Because I I think there's something very important that's occurred occurred over the last two weeks. For the first time in Zach Wilson's career, he has had back-to-back games in which he has completed 70% or more of his passes. Mm-hmm. That didn't happen on accident. He hasn't just stumbled into success. This is a team that designed an entire scheme, an entire offense, an entire way of operating with a guy wearing number eight in mind. Aaron Rodgers was supposed to run this offense. They got the emotional win on Monday Night Football where they were able to kind of patchwork it together and just win one for Aaron and keep just the, the team's hopes alive and keep the fans' hopes alive by winning that football game. They then had to go back to the whiteboard and completely erase everything they had worked months and months and months on and had to rewrite the whiteboard. That doesn't happen in one, two, three weeks. It doesn't. The reason why the Chiefs game happened the way that it did and the reason why Zach was able to play the way that it did and the reason why they were able to win this past week against Denver is because it is the culmination of all of the work that they've been doing behind the scenes to get this offense in a place where they believe in Zach a lot. They believe in this running game a lot. They believe in this defense a lot. It has taken a couple of weeks for them to get to a place, and I'm not trying to be an apologist. Losing to the Patriots is inexcusable with the way that they played, but I'm not surprised when they had to completely revamp their offense. There were some speed bumps in the road. This is not plug in Zach Wilson, plug in new offense and profit. That's not how this works. There's going to be some bumps, and it's going to be a bumpy ride the rest of the way. Don't don't mistake this for positive time where, oh, the Jets, because I hear Mike Greenberg doing this, the Jets are on the road to the playoffs, get out of the way. They're, listen, I'm not there yet. They are playing better, and I do think they can they can complete that path. But this is a bumpy ride to get this offense to where it can work with, with, with the limitations that Zach Wilson gives you. And I think the last two weeks you are seeing some of the higher-end play that you can expect from this team if things go the way that they expect them to. And you saying that, talking about the offense and having to adjust on the fly, um, brings me to the next topic I didn't want to cover tonight, the Cole hardman situation. Jets reportedly shopping him. Hardman, oddly enough, sent out a tweet earlier saying, I can't wait to say what I want to say but then ended it by saying, and this has nothing to, do, nothing to do with my current situation. So I don't, that was weird. The first half of the tweet had me thinking, stuck because, you know, we've wondered, is there something going on behind the scenes? I mean, people, it's weird to me. I, I feel like some folks just have a hard time saying the Jets screwed up when the Jets screw up. Um, somebody dropped the ball at the me call Hardman thing. You, you either acquired a guy who you believe can only catch footballs from one quarterback or you kept a backup quarterback who you feel can only complete passes to certain receivers. Like, Nico Hardman's a burner. Zach Wilson's got a cannon. Is it? Can he only ever run one route? And, like, they don't think Zach Wilson is capable of, of throwing a deep ball? It's, it's very weird to me. But Hardman now reportedly being shopped. He's playing. He's not playing, basically. Um, I saw the theory that, well, this is because Xavier Gibson emerged. Xavier Gibson played one snap through the first three weeks of the season. You're going to tell me that was the plan from E. Cole Hardman, and I get that Aaron Rodgers loves throwing the deep ball and all that, but if you signed a receiver who can literally only run one route, then that 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 was a that was a screw up. That's a huge mistake. If you kept a quarterback who you believe isn't capable of throwing a deep ball, and we've talked about the mistake that it was to to have Zach as your QB two when he should have been on the sideline all year and all that, but somebody dropped the ball somewhere. And people are enjoying making a lot of, oh, no, it's because Xavier Gibson's emergence. His emergence. How many, how many, this is the, 
This past week is the first time he played more than a dozen snaps. It's not like Xavier Gibson's out there playing 15 snaps every single week, which is kind of like, I think the expectation for Hardman was like 10 to 15 snaps a week with a few deep balls, um, but he's he's invisible. I don't know what you're going to get. Can you get a seven for him? I mean, they got him late in free agency. He wasn't generating a ton of interest, and you've now announced to the world he does one thing. Yeah, I, listen, if they get anything for him, great. I, I don't. I just don't see it ending with the, it being a, a blockbuster trade for the New York Jets of getting anything of value. I, Glenn, I feel like a broken record. And for those of you who are regular listeners of this show and you're potentially playing the drinking game at home, this is going to sound very familiar. Multiple things can be true at the same time, Glenn. Okay, and here are the multiple things that can be true. It can be true that the Jets brought in a guy and didn't know how to utilize him properly. It can be true that Zach Wilson isn't the quarterback that can get the most out of Miko Hardman. It can also be true, Glenn, that Miko Hardman played with Patrick Mahomes and had Andy Reid as his coach, and they couldn't get a lot out of him. All of those things can be true at the same time. The Jets can have screwed this up and not have found a nice role for Miko Hardman, but this isn't also like Miko Hardman was a pro bowler elsewhere and he's coming to the New York Jets and they can't find a role for him. Do you want to know where that example would apply? Ask the Dallas Cowboys whatever they're trying to do with Brandon Cooks. Somebody's got to explain to me how they can have a 1,000-yard receiver on their team and they can't get him more involved in that offense down there in Dallas. That's You want to ask a question about a wide receiver's role and how he's being used? That's a Pro Bowl 1,000-yard wide receiver. He's been a 1,000-yard receiver everywhere he goes, and he can't find success in Dallas. That is a very different situation than Miko Hardman, who's been bouncing around the league, trying to find a role, trying to find a spot. The Jets feel like he could fit in with Aaron Rodgers and Nathaniel Hackett. That breaks down, and now we're in a, in a different environment. Again, not excusing it. The Jets have to make the most out of the roster that they have, but multiple things can be true at the same time. And that that reminds me, the, the other thing I wanted to touch on was, um, again, you, you, you didn't exactly break the bank from E. Cole Hardman, but it's or a roster $4 million, spot. It's, a, it's upwards it's two, of five with point whatever million that, you know, could have gone elsewhere, but it's it's not going to it's not gonna end any any playoff hopes by by throwing away a couple million. Can you put but, up a comment? Because I, I, there's a comment in the chat that's just driving me insane. Can Go you put right up the comment by Twisted, please? Because this comment is just, I don't know if we're watching the same football game. This comment by Twisted, I will read it, and then if you want to put it up there, you can. He said, just because Zach took every dump pass he could find and boosted his completion ratio doesn't make a good quarterback. He's having difficulty seeing the field, and no OC is going to help that. That's on Zach. Did you watch the third down conversion late in the game to Tyler Conklin where it's his third read? He's looking to the, Dan Orlovsky did a great breakdown on this. Tyler Conklin is like the third or fourth read on that play. So yeah. if you're telling me that he's having difficulty seeing the field, third down, game on the line, have to have it, have to keep the drive alive, or you're going to give the ball to Denver with a chance to win the football game. He goes to his third read after starting with his left, coming all the way to the right. And oh, by the way, his right tackle is out of the game because he tore his Achilles and Elijah Vera Tucker. He's got Max Mitchell playing right tackle. So he's able to have enough time to go from his left all the way to his right and throw a strike to Tyler Conklin. We're not watching the same football game. You can be critical of Zach. You can be critical of what he's able to, to bring from a high ceiling perspective. That's fair. But to tell me that he's not getting better and to tell me he's having difficulty seeing the field, you have not watched the last two weeks. I'm sorry. You just haven't. Yeah, I've, I've gone through this. I've, I've kind of stopped um, going back and forth with people because, if, if as you said, and, and I tweeted this the other day, about that, that number that you, you mentioned earlier, first time in Zach Wilson's career, he's completed 70% two weeks in a row. He's never completed 60% two weeks in a row. Um, He's not completed 70% two weeks in a row, and it is swings and dump-offs, but guess what? Like, that's part of the game. And like, I, Patrick Mahomes will tear you apart taking checkdowns and dump-offs before he, you know, lets one rip. 
It's and part I'm sorry. of the game, and it's a part of the game Zach Wilson couldn't execute up right. until this year. And I'm sorry, people can't have it both ways. You can't complain when he's playing poorly. Oh, he can't. He can't even. He can't even complete the checkdowns. He can't even complete the the quick stuff. He can't even. You know, like like Drum says, like he's got the yips. He can't. And then he starts to do all that stuff. And then the criticism is, well, you know, that's all he's doing. So he's just padding his stats. He's just making his number. You cannot have it both ways. Again, yeah. Glenn and I are not saying that Zach Wilson is a Pro Bowl caliber quarterback. Glenn and I are not saying Zach Wilson is a top 16, top 20 quarterback in the National Football League. Is he playing well enough to give the Jets a chance to win? The last two weeks, unequivocally, the answer to that question is yes. Zach Wilson was the reason why they were in the game against the Kansas City Chiefs on Sunday Night Football, and Zach Wilson absolutely had nothing to do with why that game was close. Their red zone inefficiencies and their red zone play calling is thing number one that needs to be addressed from this team. Hopefully they'll get better. And even Robert Sala said, we've just got to be better down there. Like, Zach Wilson's not the problem right now. Like this should yeah. not be a conversation. Just stop, please. And, and just stop. And, You're coming into it with an agenda, and that's fine. You want to be a Zach Hater, that's fine. I got off the, the bandwagon too this summer, and I said I, I don't think he can be anything anymore. But to to say that there has not been an improvement from what you saw in the New England game, in the Dallas game, like the players are even saying it. You're you not going to believe Alan Lazard. You're not going to believe Garrett Wilson. You're not going to believe any of this stuff. And I know I was critical of the way Robert Sala handled himself in the press conference, but the last two weeks has made Robert Sala look like a genius in that regard. A genius. Yeah, and and drum saying the yips are gone. That was sort of that, I, completely I, gone. Like you yeah. don't even see. Like he's not even hesitating. It, like it, everything's yep. where it needs to be. If it's a short checkdown, if the first read's not there, and he's going to Brees Hall to the backfield, or he's going to a tight end. Like nothing's missing. He's not missing anything. Like in the dirt, or he's not doing any of that stuff. Yeah. And By it, the way, that, the throw to Garrett Wilson reasons. on the interception wasn't a bad throw. It's not yeah, perfect, oh, but it's not a bad throw. It, 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 well, that's the thing. It it was yeah. It was an imperfect throw. Could have been better. But, Garrett Wilson got his hands on the football. It, well, listen, listen, I said the other day, if that if Aaron Rodgers makes that same exact throw with the same exact outcome, the only thing Jets fans are complaining about is the official not calling the hold. That's it. They're not Aaron Rodgers, because it's a different human being throwing the football, he is completely and people say to me, Oh, well, that's because Aaron Rodgers has a track record. He does, but the play is still the play. The way it unfolded and what happened is still what happened. They you hit the receiver in the hands on again an imperfect throw. It could have been better, but so, as go go ahead, Chris. No, Ryan's got Ryan's got a, a a thing in the chat that is I have actually have a graphic that was that I have ready for this that I was going to mention here at some point where Ryan says no play action passes in the red zone on first down was maddening. I don't know if anyone is a follower of uh, Ben Baldwin on Twitter. He is computer cowboy, and he each and every week puts out a ton of data, a ton of charts, like just looking at all sorts of different things. And like when you see like those little circle charts of like where Sauce Gardner or where Elijah Ver Tucker and all those guys are, it normally comes from Ben, and he does a really great job. He had a chart this week. I think it was yesterday. Uh, yeah, it came out on October 10th, and it was a chart that showed play action pass percentage in early downs on the bottom. And then the EPA on those that. plays on the top. And there were four different quadrants. So the bottom left is you have bad play action results and you're not throwing a ton of play action. There's the bottom right quadrant, which was you're doing a lot of play action, but you're bad at it. And Herbert, Prescott, Fields, Dobbs are all in there. Then the top right is you're running a lot of play action and it's going very well for you. And the guys that are excelling at that are Baker Mayfield, Geno Smith, Ryan Tannehill, Daniel Jones in that, in that category. Then there's the category of good play action results and little play action, meaning when teams are running it's these working, play action but you're plays, not doing it. it's working, but you're not doing it a lot. Do you know who's in that group? Zach Wilson. He's in a group with Joe Burrow and Jordan Love and Lamar Jackson and Brock Purdy and Josh Allen, who's in that chart. This team needs to utilize play action more. They need to utilize the game. They got away. So this, is a, this is like a little secret from the game that they actually won on Sunday. 
they got away from what made their offense be able to move up and down the field against the Chiefs on Sunday night. They completely abandoned some of the passing game stuff of play action, a lot of the things that made them successful against Kansas City. They abandoned it against the Broncos on Sunday, and they were able to get away with it because Brees just, they completely took the handcuffs off Brees, and he was able to play really well. They got away from some of that stuff, and I'd like to see them mix that stuff in a little bit more. And yeah, they got to be able to, to start utilizing play action earlier on in the down uh, first and second down in particular, because they've had great success with it so far. He's like, not only is it like he's good, he's like one of the best. Like the only two that are better than him in that bucket are Kenny Pickett and Josh Allen. That's it. Yeah, that's it. It's it. It has been frustrating. I, I've for years, ever you know, even even as a kid when I first started watching football, and you know when you start kind of getting into the the strategy and what teams are trying to do. I've always, always, always been a fan of play action early on in the red zone. Like, just get those linebackers to come up a little bit. Because as they say all the time, right, things get tighter in that part of the field. You don't have as much room to work with. So, you know, run a couple play action play play action passes and try to get those linebackers to open up the amount of space you have to work with behind them. And we're not seeing that enough. But it, it has been encouraging. Um, And getting back to, to Drums' comment, that was sort of, you know, for – couple of years now you know i i always go back to the atlanta game in london that i went to when that was the first time i walked out of the game and i was like i think this i think zach wilson might have the yips like it was it you know the example i always gave it reminded me of chuck knoblock a right. guy that like you know we can make that throw in practice a 100 times out of 100 but comparison. on game day he can't do it and and i said that's that was one reason that i was holding on to hope with zach this offseason and saying that was like sort of my number one thing like poise was one but the other thing was, if he can clean up the mental mess where he's in his own head and he can't complete a screen pass, if he can add that element to his game, you're going to have the, the the second and threes and the second and eights, or sorry, second and twos, instead of the constant second and ten, third and nine, all this stuff. Because the, these plays that don't look spectacular on screen, because it's not a great downfield throw, but it's still something you have to execute. And as he's doing it, I mean, he's showing, as Drum said, the yips appear to be gone. I think that's a huge reason why we're seeing him start to uptick, and um, I, I think that it's it, it's an under you know it, it's an underappreciated development in uh, in in his progress. Uh, the other thing that I'd add to, and I, I don't, we always somehow get here, and I just hate this because I'd like to talk about so many other parts of this team and the game plan for Sunday against Philadelphia, but here we are, and I'm gonna come off as like a Zach apologist when like I haven't been like Glenn. You and I talked all summer long about this team needs an upgraded quarterback. Yep. We yep. talked about how the, he couldn't be the QB too. Like I've yep. been in the weeds on this man. Like I've been in the weeds 100%. more than anybody else. I've been on the roller coaster ride probably more than anybody else who's watching this show. I like there's a picture yep. that is still out on my Twitter account of me the the morning after they drafted Zach Wilson, and I'm holding a big Panini trading card of Zach Wilson saying this guy's my quarterback. Like I was in guys. Like I was in December of 2020 watching film of this guy saying the Jets should take this kid. Like I yep. have been on this roller coaster ride. I was in. I was out, and I don't want to say I'm back in again. And so. When I say this, I don't want to come off as a Zach Wilson apologist, but we cannot sit up here and diminish the fact that this kid, after the Dallas and the New England game, got absolutely drawn through the mud everywhere. Local, national, radio, TV, podcast, print, you name the media format. Zach Wilson got basically bullied on that platform that he stinks Worst quarterback in the league, couldn't play, going to get embarrassed, needs to be benched, doesn't matter who they bring in, play Tim Boyle. Like, this stuff was constant, 24-7 for the lead-up into the Kansas City Chiefs game. And what does he do? He goes out there and plays the way that he does. And then it's, okay, Zach, let's see you do it again. And then what does he do against Denver? 
he plays well enough for them to win. I don't want to hear a single person ever, ever, ever again. I'm sorry if you if you if these words come out of your mouth. I don't want to have a a a actual a, um, intellectual conversation with you about the New York Jets. Do not question this kid's mental makeup. I don't want to hear it anymore. I do not want. It. it would have been the easiest thing in the world for this kid to stumble and fall and completely fail against the Kansas City Chiefs because it is everything we've seen from him in the first two years of his career. But he didn't. And then he stacked two games together, which he hadn't really done over the first two years of his career. So I'm done. You don't want to think he's a good quarterback? Fine. I kind of probably agree with you at this point because he's not there yet. But please, I don't want to have any more conversations about this kid's mental makeup, this kid's ability to bounce back. I'm done with it. I am done with that conversation. He might be bad. He might not be able to win the Jets enough football games. But I don't want to hear those conversations anymore. I'm done with them. Yeah, and I don't, like I said, I've I've, I've stopped engaging with, with people who say he's, and I still see it. Oh, he's still the same guy. He's not any better. There's, okay, there's no then we're, we're good. I don't need that like, conversation look, look, with man, you with the New York I, I can't. I, and and I'm, I've said what you said a second ago. I've said a million times. I was all in on Zach at a BYU. He's probably the only quarterback, you know, over the years you watch these guys coming out of the draft. He's the only quarterback I've ever, and thank goodness to whoever put it together. I forget who. But um, somebody had basically posted a several hours long video of every single throw he made in college. And I think I watched it a couple times and I was like, I was again, all in on the guy wanted him, but when he played poorly and this is what people, a lot of fans nowadays won't do rather than make excuses. I just went, Oh, this guy is is not playing well right now. This guy might not be good. And I got a lot of pushback from that because this is when they were, you know, four and two, five and two or whatever. You don't know what you're talking about. Look at the record. And I'm like, I don't care about the record. Like, they're, this is the Mark Sanchez Jets. This is defense and running game. Where, you know, he's throwing no touchdowns two, three weeks in a row and they're still winning football games. And he's completing 50% of his passes. And I got people saying, leave him alone. He's playing well. No, he's not. And that's why he got benched. And I say, came into this year saying he can't be your QB too because the plan is to bench him and he, he's going to get you killed if you have to play him. And that, but he's turning things around. So I'm I'm calling it as it's happening. Whereas there are some folks who are like they refuse to get off the he sucks bandwagon and and will not acknowledge the fact that he's doing some things better than he had before. And that's all I'm saying. As you said, I'm not saying he's arrived. I'm not saying he's he's a superstar. I'm just looking at him going, oh, he's getting better. Let's let's keep watching and see what happens. The quarterback that has played the last two weeks for the New York Jets is a better version of Zach Wilson than the guy who started the year five and two last year when the Jets were playing oh God, yeah, absolutely. as well as they were. It's a different player. Absolutely. Is it good enough to get the Jets into the playoffs in the AFC? To be determined, right? I don't know. They've got a nice schedule in the second half, but they still got to play Miami twice. They got to play Buffalo again. They've got a matchup against Cleveland that if if they get to that point, could have major playoff implications late in the season. That's a week. I think it's a week 17 Thursday night game on the schedule. Like there's landmines all over the second half of that schedule, despite it being quote unquote easier for the team. So I don't know if it's going to equate to playoff success, but everybody thought this season was dead and buried three weeks ago. It's not anymore. It is not dead and buried. They're two and three. And I don't, there's a, there's a lot of conversation of, Oh, the Broncos stink. Okay. I've watched Jets teams lose that game in the past. Yes, they didn't. They didn't. They're two and three. Look at it at face value. Whatever happened the last five weeks is in the past. It is on to Philadelphia. That's the the big priority. Guess what? If they potentially beat Philly on Sunday, and I don't think it's out of the realm of possibility, I'm not going to pick them on the show tonight to beat Philly. I will pick Philly to win the football game, but I do not think it is out of the realm of possibility because that Philadelphia team has not played well defensively this season. They have not. And so there could be opportunity there. And if the defense keeps them off the board enough, it could be close. But if they beat Philadelphia, I, 
you watch, Glenn, everyone's going to come sweeping back oh, in God. about them on a run to the playoffs. And I don't want to hear it. I really don't. If if they beat Philly, you're going to see it's going to be Jets fans are going to fill the stadium again, which by this week, I bet it's going to be 50-50, um, if not worse. Philly Probably. fans travel. And well, they've never fans... beaten Philly, right? So that's the big that's the big question mark. They're 0 12 lifetime against Philly. I know it's so crazy. I ain't gonna, it's, I ain't it's, gonna it's pick like them the, this week. It's it the most made. obscure stat that I don't care about. Like it's it's like NFC not a rival. Like it's 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 stupid. Like you got to beat them eventually. I don't I will think tell it's going to come this Sunday. But the I only don't... other stat that confuses people more because I have a lot of friends who are not Jets fans, and when mm-hmm. when they're like, "Oh yeah, you, you got the Patriots," like you'll be able to beat them, and I'm like, "Guys, do you remember the last time we beat the Patriots?" And they're like, "Yeah, it was probably just a couple years ago." And I'm like. Yeah, it's been seven years. They're like, what? Yeah. I'm like, yeah, it's been seven years. Like, it's now seven and a half years since the New York Jets have beaten the New England Patriots. Like, no, they're not going to beat the New England Patriots until they do it. Like, I just, I assume they're going to lose. Yeah. And I, and I can't, and that, they, I mean, Jesus, they, they, uh, we won't get back into how ridiculous it is that they lost to them. But this Eagles team that they're getting ready to face, yeah, um, undefeated. I've, I, I have not gone back. I've watched one of their games earlier in the year. I was planning on watching two this week. Haven't watched them yet. Um, but to what you said earlier, I saw somebody tweet out that their defense is apparently a mess in the red zone right now, um, yeah, I mean, which could be exactly what the Jets need. But this this defensive front, I think, for Philly is the biggest issue the Jets are going to have, especially without Elijah Vera Tucker. Yeah, the the Jets, the J- listen, this game's one in the trenches. Joe Douglas has talked about this ad nauseum that this game is one in the trenches. Well, guess what? It is strength. On strength, the Philadelphia offensive line against the New York Jets defensive line. You want to know where the game is going to be won and lost on Sunday? It is the success or failure of those two groups. Don't worry about any of the wide receivers. Don't worry about any of the playmakers. Don't worry about any of the quarterbacks. Don't worry about the tush-push. Don't worry about any of that stuff. It is it is big man against big man. It is can the Jets defensive line find the holes in this Philadelphia offensive line? If they're able to do that, I think they have a chance. I think they'll be able to slow Philadelphia down. That Philadelphia offensive line is one of the best in football. Their defensive line is nasty. Jalen Carter's having a fantastic rookie season. And if I was a New York Jets fan, I would be terrified of the idea of Zach Wilson running for his life. That's that that is um it's it's exactly that that Eagles D line. Um, you know, they had like 25 different guys, had 10 sacks last year. Um, Jalen Carter is just, you know, I the fact that that guy had that situation, he had the car accident before the draft that had him fall. I just thought someone is going to get an absolute game wrecker. Um, you know, far th- there were people that had him as the number one player in this class that th- he could have been the best player. And when you watched him on film, Jalen Carter was unbelievable. And I remember saying to somebody, you know, of course, I, I think, I think what I'd said was, and I, every now and then I find myself saying this come draft time, there's a player where they're so talented, but there's such a big question with them. And with him, it was like the, the question was the, the his combine showing or pro day, whichever one it was. And I'd said to people, like, let's not forget he had something going on that was bigger than football. And that could have been in his head, and that might be why. But it was I almost didn't want him on the board because the boom or bust factor was so big. I'm like, he could be the best player in this class, or he could be a guy who – did poorly at the combine just because maybe there are some work issue at um work ethic issues. Apparently so far, not the case at all. Um, the jets didn't get the chance to pass on him, but I was, I was like, I said, every now and then I see a player and I think I don't want the jets to have to make a decision on this guy. 
because it, it he's going to be one of the best ever, or he could be out of the league in a couple of years. And I feel like if it's the Jets, they're going to, whichever they do is going to go the way they don't want it to. I'll give you just a, a little more context to, to this game. And, and again, I've made it very clear. I'm picking Philadelphia in this one. And, and here's one of the reasons why. And I'm shout out to Ben Baldwin again, who I'm going to utilize one of the, the graphics that he put out less than 10 hours ago. And again, I, I, I don't know Ben personally. I, I just, I love his work. I, I love the graphics that he throws up. I love the data that he's able to provide. So I highly recommend if you're interested in that kind of stuff, you like that advanced analytics and you like being able to take a deeper dive into the game, highly recommend you following and seeing all those charts. The pass protection rankings through week five. And what Ben does is he takes a, a compilation of a bunch of different places and he puts them all together. Uh, the uh, Philadelphia Eagles rank number one in pass protection uh, among all these metrics through five weeks. The New York Jets rank 28th. You may be thinking, Chris, that's not very good. Well, how about this for you? Run blocking, Philadelphia also number one in that capacity. Uh, uh, the Jets number four. So the Jets clearly having uh, a better job in the run uh, game in terms of run blocking. So Joe Tittman's able to exceed, uh, succeed. Max Mitchell's pretty good there as well. They're, they're having more success there. But you have Philly number one in both pass blocking and run blocking. That's what you're going up against, Jets defensive line. You got to find, you got to find the holes in that to be able to find success. Yeah, and that is that is that is not going to be easy. And and Ryan Rivera says, how did Sam Howell put up 31? Um, listen, Sam Howell's um, better than you think he is. Is probably the answer to that question. Sam, I'm a Sam Howell stan. I I got the tweets the tweets on draft day saying, you know, I, I was basically saying I know he is not a consideration for the Jets, but somebody is going to get a steal with Sam Howell here. The kid can play. He was phenomenal at UNC. Um, he's got guts. He is not afraid to throw the ball down the field. You know, not not the tallest, not the biggest guy, not a not the traditional big pocket passer. But he's got great playmakers. More... You got Terry McLaurin, Samuel Dotson. You got Brian Robinson Jr. and Antonio Gibson out of the backfield. Logan Thomas is your tight end. They got a decent offensive line. The enemy's creative, right? And so if you're a defense and you're going up against the Washington Commanders, you're gonna have you're gonna have Dotson and Samuel in motion and Brian Robinson Jr. moving all all over the place. Antonio Gibson might line up as a wide receiver, and you're gonna have a lot of stuff flashing in your face, and you're gonna have to figure it out. And oh, by the way, Sam Howell can move. Sam Howell can run. You got to run for that as well. So it just, I, I think Sam Howell, listen, do I think he's a top 10, top 12, top 16 quarterback? I, no, I don't think so, but he's playing a very, very good brand of football right now. And the reason why is because I think Eric Bieniemy and company, there's just so much to account for in what they do. I haven't done a super big deep dive into some all 22, but my assumption is you're, you're going to get a lot of motion. You're going to get a lot of stuff that's just going to create movement and eyes are going to be in the wrong place and sam howell's accurate he can drop the ball yep. in between a safety and a corner he made some I, beautiful throws in that game yeah and you saw it in the thursday night game against chicago where he was able to hit McCl i think it was mclaurin on a ball in between the safety and the corner and he just dropped it right over the top yep. of the of the corner linebacker and just dropped it in there and was able to to just throw a dot and he, he that's what he does he's not going to wow you with his arm talent but he's but he's he's i think he's good enough to be able to keep them in football games and they got a good defense so yeah, I, I think the answer to your question, Ryan, is I think you're probably undervaluing Sam Howell and what this Washington offense is, is able to do right now. Um, because I think they're impressive. They got talent all over the place. Yeah, I think I think when I watched Sam Howell in college, because I was a big I liked Baker too. I liked Baker Mayfield a lot coming out. I felt like he was like Baker light. Um, you know, like like you said, he he ran well, Baker runs well, throwed real threw a really good deep ball, um, just like Baker that he was kind of like Baker. But without the baggage, you know what well, I mean. Yeah, the thing with the thing with Howell is he was in the UNC, and and this will this will be a, a good piece of information for everybody. And and Phil Longo isn't there anymore. Uh, but the Phil Longo offense in uh, North Carolina that they ran is the read is predefined for you. 
you are reading one side of the field or the other based on the pre-snap look that you get from the opposing team. So when Sam Howell breaks the huddle with a play, the play is designed with identify what coverage I'm up against, man zone, whatever it is, cover two, what, what I'm looking at. And then based on that read, I'm either going to run this to the left or this to the right, right? Like it, it is going to be one version of, of, of a play that is split into two. So the reads are predefined for somehow. So the question going in is why he slipped in the draft is, could he process well? Could he make reads where he's got to go one to two, and then if it's not there, switch to the other side of the field, go three to four, or go to the check down? Could he get up to speed with an NFL offense? That was kind of the question mark. Why he got drafted late, why he sat all that time. Well, Biennemi's making it really, really easy for him. And I mean that as a compliment to Biennemi and a compliment to how they are really, really doing a great job. And again, haven't done a full deep dive, but I've watched the Thursday night game and I was able to see some stuff. They're really creative in what they're able to do, and they make it very, very simple for Sam Howell. And that's why he's uh, he's able to, to have success. I know Ryan says he was wondering what the team did to put up 31 on the defense. Was intentionally taking a shot at Howell. No, I I, I wasn't saying that you were. I'm just saying yeah, yeah. maybe it's just the fact that you know Sam Howell isn't viewed very highly when maybe he should be. Maybe he should be viewed a little bit better than I think people think. Because I think this offense has got a lot of talent. They're incredibly creative, and they're great. Seventh in seventh in run blocking and twelfth uh, in pass blocking. I believe. Let me make sure I have that. Yeah, twelfth in pass blocking and seventh in run blocking. So their offensive line holds up very well, and so that allows them uh, to be able to look down the field and make plays. Yeah, and uh, let's see. Mioli says uh, we should pick up Cousins. I don't no, see that no, happening. Absolutely not. Um, absolutely just, not. Well, well, let's actually let's let's touch on that real quick. Did, can did I tell you why this is? Money? No, can did I tell you why money yet? I can't remember. We haven't. We'll save okay. that for the end. We'll save that for the end. Can I tell you why this isn't going to happen? Go ahead. If Kirk Cousins leaves in free agency at the end of the season, they will get a compensation third round pick for Kirk Cousins. The New York Jets would then have to beat that third round because if you're the Minnesota Vikings, right? I'm going to get a third round pick in compensation. Yep. At the end of the season for Kirk Cousins. If I'm going to trade him in the middle of the season and completely wave the white flag, tell my fans, don't show up to the games. We stink. You're going to see Jaron Hall play. Like, we're not going to, we're, we're packing it in. You got to beat a third round pick. Oh, guess what? You can't move your first or second round pick right now. Not happening. It, it Kirk just, Cousins isn't going to play I, for the New York Jets. I think it, um, I think it comes down to, because that, that is the talk now, right? Everybody's saying Minnesota's got to have a fire sale. You know, they're, they're, you know, Justin Jefferson's out They're They're, you know, what are they? I think they have one win, one or two wins. Um, but yeah, and that's the point I've, I've made a few times in saying, you know, whatever the Jets give up for him, the Jets are getting a three. The Jets are getting that comp pick when he walks. Um, so that helps the Jets, but um, they're not going to give him away. And the Jets are, even if, even if you wanted to say, okay, we'll give you a three next year, you're going to give him, you're going to give him a, a two the following year. You can give up a three and a two for, nope. for a 10 nope. game rental. We can't be That's giving up. We, yeah, we can't be giving up draft. And, and how long is it going to take for them to get it? I don't know. I, listen, I didn't hate the idea the second Rodgers went down and you had more time. But they but were never going to do that you're... because it was week three, week two, right? Like, they yeah. were still in it. Now they're one and four, and yep. and, and the season is sinking. And, and oh, by the way, I, I don't want – and somehow we've this has gone from a Jets podcast into talking about every other football team, but that's fine. That's what we do here on the show. This is the – opposite of what happened last year. And I and I think people are going to immediately assume that this is the Vikings just being bad and they stink and they're not very good. Last year, this team won every close game in the book. Yes. The game every, against every Buffalo. Improbable. Every break went their way. Right. Every break went their way. This year, every one of those one-score games isn't going their way. Yep. This is the reverse end of that coin. So 
They're not they're not a complete 180 from where they were a year ago. Yes, they've lost some talent. Yes, they're a different football team, but they're not as bad at one and four, but they're not as good as their record last year said. Right. They're kind of somewhere in the middle. And this is right. kind of the um revert the back evening. to the norm, right? Yeah, this is the, the the regression to the mean, I think, for the Minnesota Vikings is what you're seeing this season. Yeah. So um so it's yeah, the, I, I don't see that happening. I know that uh, there was some talk. Uh, did the Jets pick up AVT's 50? Yes, they do. Yeah, but 100%. um, but it's still and and I made this point the other day, Chris. I did a short video the morning after that game. Um, between AVT being out again for the rest of the season, yeah. second year in a row, and yes, he did come back in the game. But seeing Mackay Beckton down on the turf twice, Joe Douglas has got. And someone asked earlier, what's the over under on Beckton making it to the bye week? I think he does, but seeing him down on the ground a couple times gets you wondering like does Joe Douglas feel like I've got no proven tackles going into next year like I don't I don't have a guy I can rely on Carter Warren I think he'll see the field boy before the season's over we'll see how he does young guy you know plays both sides and all that but the Jets have some worries at tackle uh you know moving forward yeah uh, and listen I, we we all think ABT is the best offensive lineman this team has and he's he's played everywhere on the offensive line except center right but at some point, the fact that he's missed two straight seasons with an injury at some point and has cost him, you know, his year early on. I, I don't want to be this guy, but you can't count on him going into 2024. You can't go into 2024 and say, oh, get AVT back. You know, we're going to have wow. him for 17 games because that hasn't been a thing yet. Right. Has not been a thing for That's AVT. What you did this year. Like, right. And so, and so now you're going to have two years of a sample size and. Listen, Achilles injuries are no joke, and that's why all this this hubble about Aaron Rodgers coming back early, I, like I'm just not there. Like it, these are serious injuries. Like the, the, this is not something you just walk back into. Um, so we'll see. I mean, they're gonna have a first round pick. If I did a mock draft today, whatever is the best offensive lineman that is available at the time that they're taking at their picking is the person that I would give to them right now because that is the thing that they need. And we'll see. We'll see. Yeah, that, that that's the thing. I I mean, I I dread to think this team having another top ten pick because that just means they had another. We're not there. Season. Well, easy, Glenn. I didn't say top ten pick. I didn't say that. But I just listen, said when they're no, on the this clock. Is, this is they whenever pick I hear what they line. should do. Oh, I, I understand. Is, I understand. This is my bias because I'm because I've I've from the first time I saw this guy play a couple of years ago, man. If they're in position, I I know they need O line, but if you're in position to take Brock Bowers, like you you Glenn, you Glenn, can't not take Brock Bowers. You and I, you and I are gonna you and I are gonna be on opposite ends of this. Not to say that Brock Brock Bowers is not a good player, but the New York Jets are not in the business of drafting the tight end. That is that is not what they need right now. That is not what they need to do. I want Brock Bowers. I understand that. I, I understand. I, that. I, I, I understand. I don't care that. what they're in the business of doing. I, I want Brock Bowers. That's I understand. That's all it comes down. I wanted to, I wanted anybody not named Will McDonald with the this 16th overall pick and we didn't get that either. So. Yeah, that's that's still again you know, they, that could have been a guy who plays. But Well, Mc, Will, McDonald, Will, Will McDonald, in fairness, fumble recovery on the Xavier Gibson fumble on the punt. So, uh, Will McDonald out there making plays. Let's not let's not be too negative. But. Yeah, Gibson's got to hold on to the ball. But yeah, well, you knew it was going to happen. You knew the moment they kicked it, and it was an opportunity for the Jets to take their first snap of the season with the lead. You knew something bad was going to happen. You just knew it. Yeah, let's see. Joe Campione says... Uh, He's just... Joe's not right on this. I'm sorry, Conklin Joe. Was the first, no, he, it's just he not. wasn't... Zach it just was not Zach the design read on, the on that side. He comes over. Conklin wasn't the first read. Yeah, just, um, Howell, Dan did a great breakdown on this. Like he, it's not the first read. Yeah, and Howell. Yeah, like I said, Sam Howell, fantastic player. Um, yeah, Cousins. It's it's not even worth talking about at this point. Not going to happen. Would have loved. Like I said, you know, earlier 
I don't know. And plus, I, I really expected the Jets to beat the Pats. As you said, Chris, they haven't, so we shouldn't. But I really thought they would. I feel like, two, and that's why this Eagles game is so big. I feel like the difference between, you know, two and four and three and three is is enormous. In the It's almost like you feel like three and three were 500s, were, you know, played. They will have won two out of three, played hopefully three good games in a row and and sort of some momentum to build on going into the bye and a chance to go to the playoffs. Whereas two and four is like, all right, it, that's a that's a big mountain to climb. As you said, some good teams still on this schedule. Glenn, I have a question for you. Okay. And I know it's different for you because you live across the pond. And so time zones and dates are, are different for you. Yes. If I told you that the New York Jets, you wake up on Monday, October 30th, the day before Halloween. Okay. If I told you the New York Jets on October 30th were three and four, would you take it? Would you say, okay? Would you be like, I'm in? Yeah, absolutely. Okay. Well, they have Philadelphia by, and then they're, they have a vaunted road game against the New York Giants. Yeah. If they are three and four, if they are three and four in that game, going into the, the game against the Chiefs, which is a Monday night home game, the Jets are staring 500 after week 10 or after week nine directly in the face, directly in the face. Even if they get, Glenn, even if they got blown out, they lose 42 to nothing on Sunday. Mm. 500 is imminently achievable for this football team entering week 10. And week 10 is at the Raiders, who, I'm sorry, I know they beat the Packers on Monday Night Football. They don't impress me very much. Yeah. That, that, What's that Shania uh, Twain song that don't impress me much? The Las Vegas Raiders don't impress me much. No, they, uh, they, they, they've got some issues of their own. They gave up 100 sacks the other day, um, uh, what, two weeks ago. Um, Jets D-line will feast against the Giants. We, we sure hope they do. Um, uh, listen, if Evan Neal's still playing right tackle, absolutely they're going to. Yeah, Carl Lawson might even get a pressure. I mean, this is uh. Well, that's if he, that's if he's a if he's healthy. If he's, he's active, a, he was a healthy scratch this past week, so we'll and, uh, see how that. This is the unfortunate thing. If you play Lawson, you know teams are so desperate for help. Play on Bryce the Huff more, by the if way, had, since we're well, here. Th- that's happening. They're they're finally doing it. They're finally doing it. You know, he he's more years, even more when they're playing him more. Yeah, two weeks in a row. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, just just ask how much he's playing, and then just tell them yeah, more than that. More. That's more. not an. 98% good. You're almost no, there. Yeah. More, yeah, you're almost more. there. Yeah, every play I want about there. Yeah, he's he's what a story that guy is, man. And what I love most about this is that now that we're seeing him on earlier downs, because a lot of, and I won't even say haters, you know, there were a lot of non-believers who were like, oh, well, the reason Huff is so effective is he only plays on passing down, so he knows he's only ever going to rush the quarterback. Not the case now. He's they, they got him playing first and second down. He's playing rundowns, and he's still having the same impact. So the, the idea that it was only or that that the major contributor was the fact that he only plays on obvious passing situations, no longer the case. The impact is still there from him. What a what a steal. And I mean, you look back now, like when they when they tagged him with that second round tender, I even I was like, no one's going to do that. No, like teams haven't like I understood his value, but I don't think other teams did. And I, I was like, I don't think anyone's going to give up a two for him now. If you could get him for a two teams would jump on that in a heartbeat. And they'd be crazy not to. Yeah, yeah. I he's he's been he's been amazing, and they're going to need him on Sunday uh, in a big way if they're going to be able uh, to pull off the upset. Uh, we can make our predictions, and then I know you want to talk about money. That's that's your big thing that you want to. Yeah, close we'll, the show we'll, with, we'll so. touch on that one. Um, I have so yeah, you, I have Philadelphia. I have Philadelphia winning this one. I think very similarly, and I don't know how many people because I know the Jets were playing in the late window as well. Um, but I always have the Jets game on, and I have Red Zone on, so I'm watching multiple games at the same time. Um, so I was able to uh, get a good look at this Philadelphia uh, Rams game uh, this past week. 
And I think you're going to see a script that's really, really similar. Uh, 23-14 was the final score. It was close, but Philly was able to pull away late. I think that's kind of what you're going to see uh, this week. I have it 27-17. Um, I, I think that's what you're looking at. I just don't think the Jets are going to be able to score enough points, but I think Philly gets the dub. And if it's 27-17 and the Jets are in the game in the fourth quarter, I don't believe in moral victories. I tweeted about this. That we, the Jets need to win football games, but I won't feel too terribly if that's the, if that was the outcome on Sunday. Yeah, I'm, I'm right in that range with you. I'm thinking 23-16, somewhere in that ballpark. Um, but again, I'm, I'm man, hopefully tonight might, might go back and watch a couple of Eagles games because I'm intrigued by the fact that they're supposedly really struggling in the red zone. But I just I just see, especially, again, losing AVT against a D-line like Philly is, is going to ring so, is going to be such a big factor. Um, Max Mitchell played admirably last week, but... Um, this, Sign Lyle Collins. What's that? Sign Lyle Collins. What? Yeah, I saw, I haven't seen an update. I saw a few hours ago that he was uh, taking a physical with the Giants. I don't know if they were implying he was that close to signing. But um, one I, I minute they said... I know he worked out with the Jets, and then he was going to immediately work out with the Giants. But if, if yeah, it's not he, a done deal with the Giants, then he should absolutely be signed by the New York Jets. Yeah, that was uh, that's that, that's a drum a few of us have been banging the last few days. Uh, let's see, the Eagles defense is coming for the Jets. They will absolutely, no doubt about it. Forty-one twenty-three Eagles. Look, wouldn't shock me. It, this game could be a blowout. The Eagles are that good. Um, so, real quick before we go. Jets season ticket holders, this one will uh, will will be of interest to you. I thought it was an inter- interesting story because um, it was just two or three weeks ago, I believe. And if I'm not mistaken, I apologize if I'm wrong. I think it was Kimberly Martin um, on ESPN, a segment. No, it wasn't Kimberly Martin. I forget who it was. It was uh, it was someone on one of the roundtable discussions, I believe. They have, they have so many of those on ESPN, it's hard to differentiate. And I don't them. watch them. This is the thing. I don't have ESPN. They have 87 analysts that are on all of these shows. It's very hard to, to yeah, figure out. And I'm a big Kimberly Martin guy. Kim, she was great writer. I met her a couple times at training camp. She covered Super the Jets nice. for Newsday so, for a little bit, right? Yeah. Yeah. She, she, I could have her on the brain. It may not have been Kimberly Martin. I, I'm trying to go back. She's um, been a Zach Wilson defender the last couple of weeks. So I've been paying attention to some of the clips that she's been, you know, okay. she's been talking about, about them a lot on Get Up. So, okay. Uh, but yeah, I don't. Yeah, I don't remember I, I, exactly the person that you are referencing. I'm pretty sure it may. It may have been Josie. I know it was a female. It may, it may have been Josie Anderson. I'm not okay. sure. But either way, saying that the Jets were were cash strapped and the Jets were having money issues, and now we're seeing a story today um, from Jet Nation, and I, I saw it from a few other season ticket holders. It's um, it's it's week five, and the Jets are asking for money for next year's tickets, which is apparently way way earlier than they would normally ask for that money. Um, and just a weird thing to me, I think at this point, and you know, you know, they, they loved getting Aaron Rodgers and the, 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 the surge of, uh, the, the surge of season ticket sales and merch and all the money came rolling in. And now here we are a month or two later and the jets are asking season ticket holders for another round of money. Um, not a great look. I mean, you're in the New York market, you're, you're a major market team and there are rumors swirling that there are money issues. And a couple weeks later, you're asking for a, a very early layout. Yeah, I mean, this if you know if this is if this is accurate, this is not uh, not a great look uh, for the team that wants their fan base to invest into uh, what is supposed to be a a positive sign moving forward with Aaron Rodgers being in town and this team trying to compete and trying to win now and Woody Johnson saying all offseason we're just a quarterback away, we're just a quarterback away. Like it's it's a tough look if if there's money problems going on behind the scenes and that's stopping you from being able to invest uh, into this franchise. So if that is the case, if that is accurate, um, that that's a that's a that's a major uh, problem I think moving forward for for this football team.
yeah, I think um, it's it's just such a bad look, especially at a time. I mean, season ticket holders, the money those guys lay out. You know, I was when I my last couple of years in the states before I moved over, I was a season ticket guy. Um, sold them every week to other Jets fans and bought better <laughs> seats because I couldn't afford the good seats. But on game day, I always wanted the good seats, so I used to sell mine to other Jets fans and then buy better seats than what I had. But yeah, the, the money these guys lay out is um is insane, and to to come out asking for the money now. It just seems really weird. Um, there was even a story a couple of years ago. It was, what, three years ago, maybe? Joe Douglas' second year that there were there were money issues and, and that kind of swirled for a little bit. And now we're hearing it again. And that's why they supposedly why they didn't go after a big ticket quarterback. I don't know if it's true, but this story certainly doesn't help it um, on the front page right now. JetNation.com from Phil Sullivan. Um, give that a look if you like. And plenty going on on Jet Nation. Chris, go ahead and give out your socials handles and we'll uh, we'll, we'll get out of here. Yeah, you can follow me on Twitter at Chris Schubert underscore. I've been tweeting a lot about uh, the New York Jets, and uh, listen, I've been watching some college quarterbacks, and, and I'm, I'm getting I'm getting excited for for draft season, which is right around the corner. So I'm sure we'll get into that here at some point on the show. We're we're gonna hold it off as long as we can, as long as the Jets are still mathematically alive. I think we hold off on it, but just know Glenn and I are Glenn and I are behind the scenes talking about players pretty pretty regularly. So. Yeah, I think uh, that was actually going to be my next statement. I was going to say we even if we start doing one or two players a week, um, I we start incorporating a little I'm bit in. of draft stuff because because we love it. We love the draft, and you know we're not going to take up whole entire shows with it. But if we do like one, two, three prospects every week, um, absolutely. You got something there, Chris? No, no. I was saying I'm in. Oh, you, you, you look up. like you were. You look like you were about to say that. Uh, let's see, Zach Wilson Junior College Development. Um, an analogy on Zach Junior in college developing QBs. Every, why is everyone grading and judging as if he's graduate? Um, listen, I, guys, that's not that's not the way it works in the NFL, right? Like but, you, but, get ta- you get taken second overall. The expectation is right or wrong. The expectation is you can be effective enough to win football games at the NFL level, right? Yeah. Right or wrong? Right or wrong that they drafted a 21, 22 year old at a BYU and he. It's probably needed a, a, a year on the bench. When you're drafted number two overall, there's a different expectation. Like Bryce Young in Carolina, they're, they're struggling right now. Oh, the expectation for Bryce when he was drafted number one overall is to go in there and to help that team win football games, right? Like yeah, right or wrong, that's the expectation. And and you're not wrong about that, Chris. But you know, a point that I've made um, a couple times now is that I I like, and whether it works or not, in time we'll know. You know, sure. but I like the fact that the Jets did what they did and said, we were wrong to play him early. Let's go back to the drawing board and start over because the talent's still there rather than give up on the kid. And that's what I love. And it may blow up in their face and that's fine, mm-hmm. but I would rather that than have him go and have Kyle Shanahan or some other QB guru grab that kid and fix him and either have a high level starter or a guy that they end up trading for a couple of premium picks, stick with them. Give him. I'd rather keep him a year longer than you should than let him go a year before you should have. Oh, yeah, and, and Highlander, I, I agree 100% with what you're saying. I don't disagree at all. I'm just telling you that the way the media narratives work, the way that the, the, the NFL as a whole is so quarterback-driven and you need to win when you have a quarterback on a rookie deal, right? Like th- that mindset of those first three years are really your opportunity to find success and to be able to build a roster. Like that's just the expectation, right? And so when when a guy you know hits, hits a road bump like, like Zach has – you know, that pe- people want to label him a bust and want to completely move on. So, I, listen, I agree with you. I, I'm happy that the Jets decided to not completely give up on the kid because we've seen the Jets kind of do that with quarterbacks in the past. Um, trading for Aaron Rodgers certainly helped in that regard. And so I think you're starting to see him turn a corner. What does he become? 
when he turns that corner. I don't know. We'll see. We, we've got what, what they played five games. We've got 12 more games to, to see what, what he can become over the course of the season. So we'll see. I mean, if he can finish this, this, this season strong and play a really good 12 games, and then that can lead into another year of learning under Aaron, at, you know, backing him up. Like, who knows what that could look like in two years? Who knows? It, it could be great. It could be nothing. Who knows? Yeah, absolutely. Well, that's going to wrap this one up. Give me a follow on Twitter at JN Radio underscore Glenn. We will be back again next week, hopefully talking about a win against the Eagles. My gut tells me no, but anything. Listen, if this run game and defense show up and Zach doesn't turn it over, they got a shot against anybody. Have a good one, Jets fans. All right, so we should be clear.